We're a unique podcast for families of faith. Produced by parents and pastors who understand and appreciate how hard it is to maintain your faith in a hostile culture. We're here to encourage and support you in the most vital role of all, parenting. If you're feeling overwhelmed and afraid, it's okay. You're not alone. Brilliantly Brave is hosted by two honest and engaging dads with nine kids between them. A road tripper, author, and pastor, Father Brad Mathias, and iShine founder, solo parenting expert, and all-around foodie, Mr. Robert Beeson. Join us each week as we explore and engage with some of the most intriguing, inspiring, outrageous, and awesome parents in the world. This is Brilliantly Brave. Hi, I'm Pastor Brad, and I'm here with Robert Beeson, my co-host. Hey, Brad, how are you? It's good to see you. It's season three time. It is season three time. How do you feel about that? I feel pretty up about that. 2018, you you know. Doing the jumping jacks before we got on the air, just feeling energized, I guess. I am. I'm wearing my Patagonia hat. I feel kind of outdoorsy today. Good to see you in men's clothes again. I know, right? Uh, You know, 2017, we sort of did a recap. Uh, for some of us personally, including today's guests, uh, it was, 2017 was, wasn't the easiest. Tough year. Yeah, it was a difficult year. And so I'm guessing for some of our listeners, 2017 is good to put in the back, you know, the rear view. Yeah. But 2018's here, and we have a whole new uh, roster of guests that are going to be on the show this year, and we're pretty excited about it. We do. I'm, I'm particularly excited about this one. He's one of my favorite people that I met in 2017. Yeah, I, I met him before, but i worked with him on the set of a television show that we were producing. And um, just, you know, it's kind of one of those people that you resonate with immediately. I mean, there's not, it doesn't happen all the time, but it was just such a quick, like, I feel like I've known him for a long time. Right. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. We're on the same page, kindred spirits, whatever you want to call it. So Handsome, nice. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's all those things. He's all those things. And a great host of a television show on yes. top of it. And, and plenty more accolades. But I'm super excited to get to talk to him about parenting because I know he he knows a thing or two about well, it. Well, who is this mystery man? Phil Stacy. That's right. Phil Stacy, who was on season six of American Idol. He was a finalist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So had my vote. Yeah, he had millions of people uh, got to see him, and he, from that experience, he launched into a Christian recording uh, career and and is now very active in ministry. He goes yeah. around from church to church. So, without further ado, our friend Phil Stacy, welcome. Hey, Phil. Hey. How's everybody doing? Good. Good to see you, Phil. It's good to see you too, man. Yeah, so we had a little bit of pre-interview chatter. Um, We had a chance to kind of warm ourselves up and talk with Phil off the record. And uh, Phil's traveling. He's going all over the place. Where are you today? I'm in uh, Richmond, Virginia. Is it Richmond? Is Richmond where I am? I know tomorrow I'll be in California. Wow. After that, but I'm, I'm, I'm... I'm like Johnny Cash, man. Yeah, you I'm are. Everywhere. Like this week. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> it's been good, though. So, Phil, for our audience, who's mostly parents, uh, in particular, a lot of moms that are listening to Brilliantly Brave, uh, yeah, tell us about your story. How, do you have a family? Do you have kids, wife? What do you got? Yeah. Um, I got married very young, um, probably too young, but it's been a lot of fun. Um, we've been married for 20 years. We have two daughters. We have a 14-year-old and a 10-year-old. Um, they used to travel with me a lot. We homeschool them so they can do that. Um, and uh, and yeah, man, it's 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 been it's been fun. Yeah. So 14-year-old and family, all that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Family and all that stuff. So you've been married 20 years. You have a 14-year-old and 10-year-old. So you're right in the thick of parenting. It's yeah. It's 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 new seasons every day. Honestly, and it's, it's right. tough because because as you said, I travel. So you know when they when they aren't able to travel, and I travel just about every week. Um, so there are there are times when I'll leave for two three days, and I'll come back, and I'm like, who is this crazy creature who is taking over the the body of my child? Mm. Um, but you know, and then and and then it all goes back to normal before too long. But it is it is a journey, man. This whole parenting thing. Yeah, I think Robert and I both uh, have been around the industry of Christian music long enough to know some of the challenges that come with. Well, certainly because you are in the spotlight in any kind of ministry does not make you immune to the to the struggles of parenting, um, especially when you get into your teenage years. You know, it's uh, it's it's hard. It's really hard stuff. Well, and there's really no manual nowadays. No, you know what there's I mean? not. 
like every every generation has had their challenges. I was a I was a challenge for my parents, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's like today, like my my daughter wrote me this persuasive essay last week on why she should have a Snapchat account, <laughs> and I'm. I'm over here like <laughs> persuasive. How do you navigate these things. Yeah, she literally wrote me a three-point persuasive essay. <laughs> this is what she does when she feels like when she feels like you know what this is something I want to move forward with. I've just got to talk my parents into it. She'll write a paper wow. and give a presentation. Um, you know, that's it's one of the benefits of homeschooling is like if she wants a pizza, we get a three-point essay. <laughs> but it's, it's it's one of those things, man, because like. I had I just developed these negative opinions on children with social media and all this stuff, um, but at the same time, because my kids are homeschooled, it's 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 like she wants to fit in. She mm-hmm. wants to you know be like her friends who go to public school and they all communicate with each other via Snapchat or Instagram and all this stuff. And I'm like, you know, she's 14. I don't know how long you're allowed to shelter these kids. It's hard. Know. Where did you got, Where did you land on that? Yeah, like. I ended up letting her get a Snapchat account. Yeah. I, I know that's that's probably there's probably like seven hundred moms that are like, hey, you're an idiot. <laughs> no, you know what? I here's the thing. I, I, I've had to struggle with this and I still struggle with it. I have, you know, I have teenagers. Um and I, I think it's more and Brad and I talk about this a lot. It's it's more about connecting to the heart of our kids. And mm-hmm. these these things that manifest themselves in our society, like Snapchat, yes, they can be dangerous. Absolutely, they can be dangerous, and we need to watch out for them. But if we are, my view here, if we are too strict, if I am too strict as a parent saying that's just an absolute, you're not going to be able to do that, I'm not going to even listen to any argument or an essay <laughs> on <Yeah>. on this, <laughs> then one of two things happens. There's a resentment and a wall that goes up between me and my child, if I'm not willing to at least have the dialogue. And two, and probably the thing that scares me more, is things that are done in secret. Because the truth right. is, it is not that difficult to get a Snapchat account and not <laughs> too difficult to hide it. How often did our parents say, no, stop us from doing stuff? Like when we right. were teenagers. I right. mean, you get to a certain age where, like, you know, according to Jewish tradition, you're you're a man when you're 12 years old. Mm. You're already apprenticing for your, for your job that you're going to have in the future. I think... There's still like this internal clock, you know, when you become a teenager, you start making decisions that are contrary to your parents just to prove to yourself you're capable of making your own decisions. Amen. Amen. Uh, <laughs> it's so, so true. I think with, with things like Snapchat, and I know that I know that stupid things can be done yep. on things like Snapchat, but they can be done anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Instagram, email, text messages, or just even in person. Um, and I'm 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 in this zone where you know, I don't know about you guys. I wasn't a perfect teenager. I loved Jesus. Mm-hmm. I had a great prayer life, and and I read the Bible. But I made some stupid mistakes. There was there was a safety net in the fact that the stupid mistakes I made weren't stupid enough to be life altering, mm. and um and I shared them with my parents, uh, which I know is is probably weird, um but I shared them because they gave me permission to to be a stupid teenager to an extent. I mean, they wanted me to be honoring to them and to God. Um, but they also understood that I was a teenager. I think because of that, I was able to share those struggles. And by the time I got out of my, out of the house, I'd pretty much made my stupid mistakes. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? And I did it in the protection of my own home. And, um, and I don't, I don't know, I don't want to expect my kids to make stupid mistakes, but I want, I'd rather them do it with me being able to help them clean up the mess <laughs> than them start to make those those mistakes when they leave the home. Um, and I don't know that it stops when they leave. It obviously it doesn't stop. No, when yeah. But I totally agree with that. I've said that often with my kids. I'd rather go through this and struggle through this while they're under my roof than yeah. for them to just be out in the open and you know and and not necessarily not have a net, but not have someone to coach them through it. And um, but that's a fine line. I want to ask you about this because um, it's just from a personal standpoint, it's what I am really wrestling with with one of my daughters right now is this idea of having of of wrestling with issues like obviously there has to be a good foundational relationship for you to, to talk about it. And you had a modeled for you when you were a kid um, with your parents. What do you think are some key components to building that bridge where you can actually have this dialogue, listen to a three page or a three point essay on why you should get Snapchat or not. And um, what have you and your wife disciplined yourselves to do to create or foster an environment that lets that happen because I think so much, and let me preface that and let you think about your answer there for a second. But 
I think a lot of parents, and I'll just use myself as an example, we approach parenting out of fear and oh my, if they get Snapchat, that means X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. And so I just shut it down. I'm not even going to have this conversation. And I'm learning the further I go in parenting, that's not healthy. Doing anything out of fear is not healthy. But in a relational standpoint, um, putting my fear on top of my daughter and just assuming the worst can really, (laughs) you know, it can really break down the relationship. So what do you guys do in your home to foster that environment where you can come and talk about things that are, that you're either struggling with or questioning, is it time to get Snapchat? Well, we've, um, we've had a policy of being very honest with our kids. Mm. I think, I think transparency, honesty, um, maybe, maybe to a fault, like in our, in our home, like we've, like we've done the whole, we, we began sex talks when they're like children, like little mm. children. Like we're like, I, I read some interview um, I think it was uh, it was either Trent Reznor or Marilyn Manson. I think it might have been Marilyn Manson who said, uh, you know, if if you don't want to raise your kids, I'm happy to do it. <laughs> and it and, and it triggered something in my head because I believe we have an enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the Bible specifically says he, he's roaming about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Um, and I realized that I need to get to my kids first on every subject. Hmm. I want I want to be the first person they hear about sex from. I want to be the first person they hear about um, you know, when we're talking about like like gay marriage and society and all that stuff. I want you know, we we have a lot of friends who are gay and and so I've taken I even at, at young ages I took them to to our friend's house to eat, eat dinner so we so it would foster questions that we could that we could begin to answer even when I think they're like you know nine and six years old, hmm. um, and uh, that trust level, me trusting them with that with that level of, of conversation, and I'm not trying to manipulate these kids. I'm just trying to offer from from a biblical perspective. But I, I will say um, that uh, when I was 12, my father sat me down, and he basically just gave me permission. Like he was like he was like, son, I'm rooting for you. And I want you to know something. As much as I want you to to believe everything the exact way I do, I also want to believe in faith that you're smarter than me, that you're going to figure things out that I haven't figured out. And in honesty, between you and Jesus, you're on your own. Hmm. And he, he said, I want you to seek God for yourself. I want you to own your relationship. Wow, that's great. And, and I'm going to help you in any way I can. I'm going to answer any questions that I possibly can. Um and I'm going to support you, and I'm here, um, but I want to encourage you to seek God. Yeah, so what, what you and Robert are describing is a relationship with God. You're not right. talking about just there's this thing in the sky. You know, there's this this all-knowing, all-powerful being that's up there. You're actually introducing God into life for your kids, and you're, you're, you're asking them to wrestle with God in the real issues of life. I think that is the essential role of a parent. I mean, we're modeling that. You can avoid it if you want to, but that's why we're here. We're we're here to navigate the difficult things. Honestly, the simple stuff, the simple day-to-day, they don't need us for anymore. Hmm. Not when they get to to my kid's age. You know, I'm convinced that my my 14-year-old is so enterprising that if if the zombie apocalypse broke out (laughs) and Hmm. my wife and I were destroyed, I think my my daughter is, is smart enough to figure out how to survive. Like, like they, they are very smart. You know, they have access to so much information that we didn't when we were kids. Internet didn't even, you know, get into homes till 95, 96 or whatever. And, uh, and so we didn't grow up with the amount of information that's being pushed. I want to address uh, subjects with my kids like, like faith, because I mean, they're, you know, my daughter's discovering there's a lot of people out there that don't even believe in God. This is my 11 year old now. Hmm. And she's like, well, you know, why do people not believe in God? And I'll turn it around and say, well, why do you believe in God? Hmm. Is is it because I told you that he's real? <laughs> you know, what, what is, what is your actual reason? We're, we're going to have these hard conversations before they go off to a secular college somewhere. And a professor tries to talk him out of faith. Hmm. Uh, you know, I want her to have a reason. That's not my reason. It's her reason, you know. I think that's her, great. It's God who protects her, who who loves her, and personally, uh, yeah. Um, I think that's so true. Because you can you can push them away a little bit, but remember, each of us had to own our own faith as well. Yeah. 
Um, so there was times when we had crises of faith and moments where we were like, you know, I went through all sorts of different seasons. You know, I read the Quran. I read uh, I read a lot of different religious writings and, and just in my search of who God is, um, you know, there was there was something that brought me full circle to where, you know, I'm I'm your typical evangelical. I love Jesus. And, you know, yay, you know, right. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but this is my journey. And, and this is a journey that Jesus and I have been on together. And, uh, and I don't believe in God just because my grandpa was a preacher kind of thing, you know? Mm, right. We so, don't get out of that. As, I, as hard as that is, that's, that's parenting. It's the tough stuff. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Uh, I think Robert and I are in, firmly in your camp. Uh, we, we would say many times uh, in these interviews and in our own conversations that, you know, there is a, a necessary sort of wrestling for faith to be owned by our kids. Uh, for them to actually grab it and take it rather than for us to behavior modify. And I think that's an important distinction that you made, Phil, is that, you know, our kids in, in our day when we were kids, our, our parents didn't need to teach us some of the fundamental practical things of living. Nowadays, I, I was walking around a mall yesterday. I was in Chattanooga and my stepson, who is 14 years old, we were standing at a Baskin Robbins counter and he's like, do you know the difference between assets and liabilities? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, do you really? Because a lot of people consider their asset to be their house, but really that is a liability until you turn it. I mean, he just like had this, it's just 14 years old because he's reading this rich dad, poor dad book or whatever. And so I, just, I know exactly which child you're talking yeah, about. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> the stockbroker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's, have you watched the penny stocks this week kind of thing? It just, you know, the Bitcoin did blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so that's all kind of covered. And maybe we as parents are still trying to parent those things. Mm-hmm. When there's actually an opportunity to focus on deeper things, on character and modeling and, and asking the question. I think that's great. You flipped that question yeah, with your daughter. That's like, great. You know, there are people that don't believe in God. Why don't they believe in God? And then to flip it and say, well, why do you believe in God? And help help them kind of figure figure that out. I think that's a really important distinction because our kids do have access to so much information on the practical side of living now, way more than they probably need. But it's this character heart stuff that is lacking on the internet and that they are only going to find that in relationship and the primary relationship being parents. So I think that's a really important distinction to make. I'm glad you made that. I appreciate that, man. (laughs) You know, you do things, sometimes they're stupid and sometimes they're not. And here's the cool thing is that, and I love the title of your podcast, The Brilliantly Brave, because as we're talking, I'm like, you know, there's got to be somebody who's listening to this conversation who's not really addressed these subjects and they're like, oh, no, have I messed up? Have I jacked up? And um, the truth is, is that in parenting, here's what it takes to be a good parent. This is my belief. All it takes to be a good parent is to want to. Hmm. You just got to want to be a good parent. You know, if, if you want to be a good parent, like genuinely want to love your children and to and to help guide them and nurture them and all that stuff. I think it, it, it somewhat comes naturally. And I, I'll, none of us are going to be immune from from mistakes or forgetting to talk about a subject. We can't cover every subject. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the reasons I love, you know, what you're doing and, and you know, what a lot of authors and, and organizations have done to assist parenting is that it does give us the ability to educate ourselves and and get a little bit better at, at, at what we do. You know, we, we work, we, we research what we want to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, if we want to be a better musician, we take lessons, or if we want to be a better programmer, we buy, you know, books or courses on programming. Um, you know, I think parenting is our most crucial and important role that we'll ever have. Yeah. That's me. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. You know, as a pastor, I'm a pastor at my church. I'm a worship pastor. But my primary job is to pastor my, my family, my mm. wife, my children. Um, and uh, I want to be better at that than anything else. Um, it doesn't mean I'm going to be great or whatever, but just the fact that I want to be. With kids, man, um, they're so forgiving, especially if you acknowledge, you know, that you want to be. You want to be there for them. Mm. Um, I think at that point, maybe maybe that's what I've done, Robert, uh, to uh, to foster that environment where we can have those conversations, those difficult conversations, to let them know I may not be perfect, but I want to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to be the dad you deserve. Right? I want to be the dad that God has called me to be, and I'm going to work at it. I'm not just going to 
lackadaisically just exist in this role. I'm going to work and try to be good. I think that's key. I, that's one thing that I bring up with my kids all the time. Like, you know, I, I blow it all the time. I, I think I've got this all figured out and then I either too hard on something or I let them do something and, and I'll come back and I'll just say, you know what? I really kind of blew it on that or whatever. I, but I want you to know this. I am not going to stop trying. I'm going to continue to try to be a better dad. And that's got to be comforting for them, man. I, I, I think so. I hope so. I wish I, I was told that, you know, I mean, because they need to know that this is not because we've got it figured out and we're just trying to rain on their parade and come down on all the joy that they could find in life, you know, because I think sometimes not, teenagers that's think that's not what we're supposed to do. Well, not for my family, oh, I know, for your family. Yeah, I like that, the yeah. checklist. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> but when we blow it, they need to know that, man, we're just people. And, and right. the, here's the thing, like you said, is that I just, I want to be a good parent and then I'm not going to stop trying. Yeah. This may have been a so. L- let me jump in here and do some real hard hitting interview question stuff. Oh boy, you ready? You sitting down, Phil? Yeah. So, ready? <clears throat> okay, here we go. So you want to you won this uh, sort of prestige. You you made it as a finalist in season six. That made you an instant celebrity. And so I'm assuming then, uh, as most people do in our culture, that because you had such fame, that you're a genius when it comes to everything. Is that true? <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah. You know, okay. I think it really qualifies me. It qualifies you to be. Funny, a- I, I, I talk about, uh, you know, I, I haven't been this big name that's been everywhere. Um, I've been on some magazine covers. I've done some television shows, but I've been on the road with these stars, you know, and, um, <clears throat> and in Hollywood, um, hanging out with like, you know, these, these huge names that everybody Just knows. Just say a few. Are. Yeah. Robert so, likes to hear that. Yeah. He tell likes him. the name dropping. Yeah. He loves that. <laughs> oh, yeah. But um, and, Thanks, and I'm always shocked that like people's response to me, they're like, "Oh my gosh, what is she like?" or "What is he like?" And I'm like, "They're just people." I mean, and you guys know this. You've been around. You've been around people that would be considered celebrities, and they have to live their own lives, just like your children. Like you walk out of the room, and their lives continue existing. Yep. And um, they have they have to deal with every single major issue. They have to deal with with relationship issues, with deaths, with. Uh, with uh, parenting problems, every person that has children has to deal with parenting problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and so, no, I don't think that that would qualify me nor anybody else. If you're famous, what it means is probably there's going to be some, some, um, some added dysfunction because what it does do is it gives you a huge ego boost that you have to, you have to um, – decide what kind of person you want to be because the world gives you permission to be whoever you want to be. Ah, that's a great quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the world does give you permission, doesn't it? You can yeah, just Yeah, I be- mean like I remember coming off of American Idol, I'm uh being a little too too transparent here, but coming off of American Idol, this was afterwards. I just gotten signed by Disney. I'd performed on the Tonight Show, I'd performed on Ellen. Um I'd done all this stuff and all of a sudden I went into this dark mode where I was like, Am I really who I want to be? Because the world is kind of being offered to me right now. Like mm. everything is being given to me on a silver platter. Do I want to be married to this woman? Do I want to be? Uh, do I want to be known as this religious goody goody? Um, you know, because I know I'm going to be more successful if I can throw some sex into my music, or mm. um, <clears throat> if I if I had the ability to do this, or I could be more controversial. If you're controversial, that sells records, you know, <laughs> and. Uh, I, I live kind of a boring life. I remember thinking all these things like, well, I've been a Christian since I was seven. Um, you know, I've been married since I was 20. Um, I've got two kids. I'm in the Navy. I don't, I don't have any real dysfunction going on. So that's not something people find interesting. Right. They, yeah. they want dysfunction, um, which I know sounds weird, but tabloids wouldn't exist if it wasn't for dysfunction. Right. And uh, you want to hear dysfunction in music. Man, if, if somebody comes out with a statement about how – about how they went to rehab, they're releasing a record in three weeks, and it's going to do well because they went to rehab, and and everybody likes for some reason dysfunction because it relates to our dysfunction. It gives us permission to be dysfunctional, and so we kind of like that in our celebrities. And I, I honestly wasn't feeling like I was dysfunctional, um, and it made me a little bit dysfunctional in my mind. Of course, you know, as as a Christian, I surrounded myself with prayer warriors and like calling my dad, calling my pastor, call my mentor from college. Like, guys, you need to pray for me. I'm having kind of a crisis right now. Mm. Um, but but yeah, there's there's uh, some definite 
extra stuff that's added when the entire world, when everybody in the world, except for the people that are closest to you, mind you. My wife didn't give me permission to be whoever I wanted to be. <laughs> she didn't. No, that's... <laughs> but, um, but the world did. Um, this is an honest-to-God truth. Um, I had a guy introduce himself to, to me on the American Idol set as Wife Patrol. And I was like, what is Wife Patrol? I mean, some of my buddies from American Idol were there. They were like, yeah, man, if you're not with another girl, we distract your wife till you're done. Wow. And oh, I'm like, man. you know, I I heard stuff like this exists in Hollywood, <laughs> but I wouldn't think it exists on a show like this where my story is that I had a baby. Hmm. You know, my story is that I'm a family guy. Um, but that does exist. And it's just a different world, man. Not to mention, and you guys, you know, I, I know, Robert, that you've been on the road. And I know, uh, I know, Brad, that, that you've experienced this in, in your head as well. Um, but you can actually have two existing lives. Yeah, absolutely. You can, have, you can have the one here that's real, but you can have this other one that you escape to. And that's the tour bus. For, mm-hmm. for most musicians, like for artists, you can get on the tour bus and leave everything else. And it's like whatever happens on the tour bus and wherever it goes stays on the tour bus and wherever it goes. Um, and that it's a that's dangerous. It's, it's really dangerous. But I love what you're talking about, because what you're talking about is the authentic identity and making sure that's in check. And I don't think that can be done without without support from other people that actually know you. And there, there has to be somebody else. And it doesn't matter what. Yeah, there's got to be some kind of network of people that you're turning to for support. And I, I love that we're landing there because that that is something that I think doesn't matter what role you play, whether you're a mother or a businessman or, or whatever. Yeah, because businessmen travel. They yeah. they can develop a, a completely separate life. And I'll say this: that moms moms can get a false identity too. Because of the roles they play. If they're a stay-at-home mm-hmm. mom, they see themselves as what they do rather than who they are. And so having somebody that keeps you in check as to who you are is is a real key component to to keeping the integrated, authentic self. And I, I love that you had that when you were experiencing that notoriety. And um, I think it's a really good bit of encouragement for, for parents to, to seek that. And that really doesn't happen unless it's reflected back to you from someone that really knows you, right? Yeah, well, you know what's funny is I didn't even think about it until just now, but I, I was spitting it out, and I'm like, you know, I called my dad. Mm. <laughs> I started to call my pastor, my mentor from college, but the first person I called was my father. Mm. Um, and uh, I guess if it wasn't my father, I would have called my mother because uh, both of them had proven that they love me. No matter what happens, they, they care about me. They, they want, they're cheering for me in a way that nobody else in the world is. Uh, they want me to grow up and be successful, to be um, – a person of integrity and all the all the things that you would list under what you would say is a good person, um, and they're rooting for me in that capacity more than anybody else. That's what I want for my kids, and I'm I'm sure that's what all of us want. Well, I think that's for- what you're talking about in pursuing is that relationship with them. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, you know, one of the things that uh, we're kind of hovering around, and it's sort of the the periphery of our discussion, and that is really this this concept of redefining success as a Christian versus the success that's defined in our world those cultures really clash i know backstage in anaheim when we were working on that tv special uh this this last year you shared with me just a little bit about some of the choices you had to make as a christian artist where you stepped away from sort of the secular pull to really focus on ministry and it cost you um i I don't want to you know ask you to go somewhere you don't want to share with the public but I think our audience would be very encouraged to know that you had a conscious moment of of choosing where you chose success to be the Christian worldview and not not the culture. What can you share with us about that? Hmm. Um, as a Christian, um, joy means something to me. I think as a Christian, <clears throat> um, and I I realized that. In order to experience joy, I have to walk where God wants me to go. Hmm. Now, God gave me a tremendous platform with American Idol. Um, and I remember I was going out, I was doing country music. Um, and uh, it was actually Mark Hall kind of called me on something. We were we were doing some event for GMA week mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we were on a panel together. And Mark is, uh, you know, with me after after the thing. He's like, "Yeah, man, that's that's pretty cool." So, why are you doing country music? And I was like, "Man, how what how cool is it that I have this opportunity to be in the in the secular market?" Uh, and he was like, "Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, how how do those altar calls look at your concerts?" 
<laughs> and, I, and I was like, well, we don't have altar call. That sounds like Mark. Mm-hmm. He was like, so, so do you have pastors in the back just in case somebody gets touched by your two Jesus songs where they can get plugged in? And I'm like, what are you doing to me here, man? Yeah. And he said, don't you think, don't you think it'd be more effective to engage the body of Christ in the work of Christ? Isn't that, isn't that a good purpose for your music? He's like, don't don't you think it'd be more effective to sing for a church of twenty people, <laughs> and inspire them to actually minister to the people that they know and love, than go into a concert hall full of fifty thousand people where you really don't make a difference for Jesus at all? That's so Mark Hall. I was like, man, <laughs> but he 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 hit on something that was already being dealt with in my heart, and and you guys know Chaz Corzine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chaz was managing me at the time. We had already been having these discussions. Like I was like, man, this country music environment is not for me. It's for some people, and it's it's not necessarily some place that Christians can't be. Um, there's some great Christians in country music. Mm. Uh, you know, solid believers, solid solid disciples of Jesus. Um, but for me, it wasn't the right thing, and it wasn't really producing uh, that confirmation. I'm where I need to be. Right. Uh, then I ended up getting uh, called by a missionary in the Philippines, uh, just a buddy of mine who's like, Hey man, you know, the Philippines has a big idol falling. Would you come out and do our youth convention? Um, cause I think more people would show up. And I went to the Philippines and I saw, you know, there were, there were thousands of young people and I saw a bunch of them give their lives to Jesus. And, and that's when it hit me, man, this is why God gave me this platform is, uh, you know, to, to be a benefit to pastors, to be a benefit to missionaries. I think I think I could use that. And I could um, – I'm a local church guy. My dad was a pastor. Both my granddads are pastors. And I, be, I believe in the work that the local church does, and I know that it's hard. Um, but I could be a tool in a pastor's arsenal, in a missionary's arsenal to reach his community. Mm. Um, and, and man, I have had so much joy in that. I've been doing that for now, now for like nine, ten years. Um, and I've loved every second of it. And that joy was produced, that – that peace that comes with knowing and there, there is a sacrifice, but it's money. Yeah. And there's very specific things that the Bible has to say about you can't serve God and money. So you, every one of us need to come to this. We can't focus our lives on our job. It doesn't matter if you're a recording artist making 50 grand a show or if you're somebody, you know, making, you know, $15 an hour, eight bucks an hour uh, at the local shopping mart or whatever. Um, we don't live our lives for money. Money right. is not going to bring us peace. Money's not going to bring us joy. Um, but God is in his presence in our life and the work that he's doing through us is. That's why some of the happiest people you'll ever meet, you'll meet on a missions trip to a third wheel, third world country where they've got nothing, mm. <laughs> got joy. And they're serving right. the Lord and they so much yeah. joy. They can't even wipe the smile off their face. And some of the most miserable people you meet in your life are rich. Are the wealthiest. Like rich. And um, people people don't make that connection. If they're not wealthy, they think that that's where they're shooting. But you can't serve God and money. Hmm. Jesus said those words. Um, so it was an easy adjustment for me to make. You know, I would rather – I'd rather you know go into a church for a free will offering than have a guarantee of $50,000 at a show even though I like the money. Hmm. <laughs> I enjoy having the money. I'd rather have the peace. I'd rather have the joy in my life because that is bigger. You can't buy joy and you can't buy peace. Man, so um, true. So you true. can buy a nice car, which <laughs> you can buy a yacht, yeah. <laughs> which I like to have. But nonetheless, it's not going to produce the same thing that just following – seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. And God's proven himself faithful in that capacity in my life. Well, I'm glad you made that decision. I'm glad that Mark – and the good thing about Mark saying that to you is he backs it up because he serves the church. He serves the church like no artist that I've ever worked with. I mean, he just – he knows where he's at. When that dude walks in the room, you're you're right. He he comes from the church, and it sounds like he was reigniting something in you that was born in the church. I mean, you were brought up, you love the church. Probably even remember having this conversation with me, honestly. I mean, we, you know, obviously, I know the guy, and we've yeah, we've we've been at several of these events together and everything. I don't know that he would remember it, but it was a very profound moment for me because it was it was a it was a cutting moment. It was a moment where I shifted. I was done doing country music because again, nothing wrong with country. music. I love country music, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but it. It wasn't where God wanted me. Mm. It's where I chased money. <laughs> it's where big checks were waved in front of me, and I was like, okay. <laughs> mm. 
Um, and I did not seek God enough on that decision. I'm, you know, I, I know that God is sovereign, and I know that I was there for a reason, and I, I, I got to do some fun things. Um, but I know that God directed me to where I am now. So I'm glad I made the decision too, honestly. Love that. Yeah, so if you've been listening, we've been talking with Phil Stacy and just sort of some of his life experiences uh, as, a, as a worship pastor, as an American Idol alum, and as a father. And he's been sharing with us some of the lessons he's gathered along the way, some of the things he's still wrestling with. Um, we thank you very much, Phil, for your time and for your insights. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you for having me today. This has been a lot of fun. Awesome. We'll do it again. The work you're doing to, to help us in, in raising our babies. You know, they're the most precious things in the world to us, and, and we can't get enough help. We don't have a manual, so the more conversations that, that ignite new ideas, we just really are grateful for the work you guys are doing. Thanks, Phil. God bless. I knew he'd be a great interview. He's awesome. Yeah. I, He's such a real guy. And, and, and who, I mean, that's no different than what you experience when you hang out with him. I mean, he's just, he just, yeah. he lives it and he's just, he's really walking the walk of a parent and that loves Jesus. Yeah. And I, you know, the thing about uh, the humility that comes with, you know, parenting, um, I, what a great example. He really had an opportunity to kind of go off the rails. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of people do. Yeah. With that kind of success from, from that type of attention really yeah that the world gives you i i wrote down lots of things from that interview um one of them was you know when you have success the world gives you permission to decide who you want to be hmm. and that's true not just success but the world does give you permission who you're going to be and there's you know kind of going back to one of the other things he said is like um marilyn manson said if you don't want to raise your kids i will you know, I mean, we have permission to be the kind of person we want to be. And so if we're not being deliberate about parenting our kids in a way that, you know, then they're not going to be equipped with the choice to be who we believe God wants them to be. <coughs> you okay there, Brad? Yeah, I just, you know, I hadn't had a drink in a while, so that, that was, it was time. Like parched? I'm getting old, man. Leave me alone. That's true. I, you know, I was listening to Phil. We've had these personal experiences, um, you know, a lot of times in our interviews, we come back to issues of the heart. We come back to things <clears throat> within family units that can't be addressed with more rules. Mm -hmm. the, these aren't things that can be resolved with a firmer hand. Mm -mm. Um, I was so encouraged to hear that he was engaging his kids in real-life conversations. He actually said something about flipping the questions of life. Mm. He gave the illustration, the example— you know, when his daughter came to him at 10 or 11 and said, you know, why why don't people believe in God? And he used that illustration. He said, I flipped that question around and said, why do you believe in God? And then he went on to say, because I know when they get older, the world is going to challenge her beliefs. Right. And it's not going to just be enough to say, because my dad said or my mom said that I should believe in God. There has to be something that is taken root that is personal and relational. Yeah, and so he was sort of anticipating that stress on her, mm -hmm. and in a way, he was giving her a a chance to process that for herself in a safer environment, like their home, mm -hmm. where the real questions could get real answers, mm -hmm. versus processing that for the first time, say, in college, mm -hmm. where that environment is hostile to questions. And giving permission for a real question to come up, instead of just having to, well, because... Some so often kids just think that they're going to hear the pat answers, and and you know they felt safe enough to say that to Phil. Like, why do people not believe in God? I think that's test. Kind of, he went full circle at the end of the interview and said, the first person that he called when he was struggling with this identity thing, who am I in the spotlight now that I'm getting all this notoriety? The first person he called to reflect to try to get back to what I am was his dad. And if it wouldn't have been his right. dad, it would have been his mom. Right. And that's because he was brought up in an environment where he felt safe enough to say, these people really know me for who I am and I'm okay no matter what, but I can get, I can, this is someone that will give me a true reflection of myself. And so I think the whole thing, the whole interview was wrapped in this authentic, real heart relationship with our kids. And I, and I love that he's, and constantly adjusting, not, not stopping, not, not giving up, continuing to try to, to be a good parent. Yeah, and I he he talked about this, you know, really uh to be a good parent you just need to want to. I wanted to jump in there and say there 
there's actually another step beyond wanting to, and that's being intentional. Mm-hmm. And he starts to describe then what he does with his kids, how right. he's bringing up these questions, how he's exposing them to gay couples, how mm-hmm. he's very, very intentionally uh, exposing them to the issues of the culture. And he, he does more than just want to be a good parent. He actually does the step right. of being intentional about that. And right. he has a thought process behind it. He's not just reacting through life. Right. There's more to it than that. So I was encouraged by his comments on no, that. I loved it. It was great. He had lots of great insight. He did. Well, you know, as we've talked about Phil, uh, he brought up Mark Hall, who, if you didn't know, Mark Hall is the lead singer of Casting Crowns. Uh, he's also a pastor, a, a youth pastor in, in his church, and he's kept with that commitment even with the success of Casting Crowns. So he's been a great role model uh, for a lot of us on how to to balance success with ministry and really retaining your identity through success. Mm. Um, and I know, Robert, you've had that struggle as well. You you went through a process uh, in your uh, early life where you had great success as a music exec, and uh, you went through some very painful things. And as a result of that, uh, your life was profoundly changed. And mm-hmm. I'm sort of segueing to the fact that you have a book coming out <laughs> this spring. I do. I do. So tell our audience just a little bit about your book, because it's really relative, uh, relevant to what we're talking about. Well, I think, yeah, it's, it is about the transformation that God makes in our life when we surrender and we realize that his plans are greater than ours. Um, mine, I had bought them when I became a single dad and had to raise three girls on my own. And the transformation that, encount- that I encountered had nothing to do with what I thought I was as a music executive or even as a successful father or successful husband. When I went through a divorce and everything kind of bottomed out, I discovered that um, my father, God, loved me the way I was. And that started a process of forming my identity in my 40s, which I should have, I would have loved to have done <laughs> when I was a lot younger. But so I, I, Going solo, the, the idea, my book is called Going Solo and comes out in April, April 3rd through Focus on the Family. And I think the thing that that really, it's about single parenting, but truthfully, it's more about life transformation and understanding this concept that unless we understand our relationship with our father solo, like exclusively, um, it's hard to understand the intimacy that he has for us. So often we play roles as an executive, as a podcaster, as a mother playing all these roles that we lose we lose sight of the fact that there is an, there is an intimacy that our father seeks with us, a real relational, a real intimate relationship with us. And, and so the book is called Going Solo, and it really is about getting to that place of understanding the intimate feelings that our father, the intimate knowing that our father has of us. And using that as a place to rebuild. And when you rebuild from a place of understanding the intimacy that our father has, how much more strong of a foundation that can be than any role that you could ever play. And so that's what it's, it's, it's about single parenting in the sense that that's what took me to the place of, um, of understanding this. But one of the the editors that uh, focus on the family said, this is just a really good parenting book because there's principles about really surrendering the way you think it should be done or the way it should look and really kind of getting to the place where you're taking care of yourself and your relationship with God and then parenting from that standpoint. So yeah, I'm excited about it. It comes out April 3rd. Well, I'm excited for you. Uh, I think it's an awesome um, product, first of all, to serve the body of Christ. But I think it's also especially helpful for uh, families that may find themselves going through a divorce mm-hmm. or a separation uh, that are listening to this podcast and are like, well, that's all well and great when it, you know, Phil's story is great because it's worked out. You know, mm-hmm. he made it through the success. He's survived that. He's been married 20 years. Mm-hmm. He's, his kids are still in the home and they still have a unit that's intact, but mine isn't. And so I think a lot of parents can feel overwhelmed, uh, discouraged, sort of defeated. Uh, and I think your book gives them hope. I think that, and one of the things I had this all day meeting on Friday with my um, my publishing team. One of the things that is a distinction that we're really going to try to focus on is that everybody in America knows a single parent, and I mean everybody. It's it's sixty seven percent of their population 
you know, I mean, I'm sorry, 35% of the population in America are, are single parent homes. That's according to the U.S. Census. And 67% of them don't go to church or aren't involved in religion because they don't feel like they belong. And so there's this right. massive world of single parents out there that are kind of the forgotten people. Everybody knows a single parent in America, but a lot of people don't know what to do. They don't know how to help. They don't know what condition these parents, what they're actually going through. And so hopefully this is going to be a resource to help those people that know a single parent, whether it's your, your daughter, your friend. This is something that you can give them and say, I don't know exactly what to say, but this is this is maybe a good place to start. And so hopefully it'll be a resource, not only for those going through it, but those of us that are not single parents anymore that want to reach out to other people that they know are single parents. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a beautiful story of redemption and, and renewal. I think it'll encourage and, and really strengthen a lot of uh, single parent homes out there right now. You also have a podcast that you co-host mm-hmm. called uh, Solo Parent Society. There's a website, soloparentsociety.com, and there's a podcast. Um, there's two different formats of it and all kinds of things. Yeah, so if, if you have a question for Robert as to do with you know life as a single parent uh, and you're struggling with it, feel free to reach out to that website, soloparentsociety.com. And or you can email us here at info at ishinelive.com. So with that sort of wrap, uh, I'm listening to Phil's story. I'm kind of comparing it to our own. It's very clear to me that our culture is a culture that's very uh, entertainment driven, Mm -hmm. very focused on uh, the celebrity experience. Yeah. Um, I, I really, I really struggle with that because I think, as parents, uh, we can get lost in that idea that we're to be uh, sort of popular mm-hmm. with our kids. And, hmm. um, you know, I noticed that Phil really was able to describe situations where he's confronting his kids with things. He, he hasn't really surrendered himself to that. He's allowed himself to remain a parent first, an artist second. Mm-hmm. And that's a critical distinction. So just in passing, you know, cl- sort of a closing thought, what advice would you have uh, to parents who are fighting that battle, sort of they're realizing that they can't be popular and effective as a parent at the same time. They got to choose. I think that we live in a culture right now that is caught up on ideals. We live in a, um, a social media world where everyone's posting their highlight reels constantly. And we compare ourselves to that. And we compare ourselves to that in regards to how well we're doing with our kids and sometimes how close people seem to their kids because they're posting their happy family pictures and whatever. I think it's important to remember that this ideal of either being a celebrity or having an ideal situation is false. Every single person, I don't care if you're a podcaster doing a podcast called Brilliantly Brave or Solo Parent or Focus on the Family or whatever it is, we all struggle with parenting. And so the message, I guess, for parents out there that are listening to this and maybe I going, I don't measure up. I'm not able to be like Phil Stacy or Brad Mathias or whoever is it's just, it has to do with you are the parenting expert of your child. Nobody else is. Mm-hmm. And you have an opportunity to continue to grow that, to be intentional about being the best parent that you can be and never, ever stop trying. That doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. And it doesn't mean it's all going to work out exactly as you think it should. But we can trust the Holy Spirit to do the rest of the work if we are deliberate and surrendering that and just continuing to try and stop measuring ourselves up to other people. I couldn't couldn't agree more. And so for those parents out there who find themselves in 2018 and they've got sort of some doubts and fears, maybe uh, some regrets, we want to encourage you, uh, really uh, start, start again. Get back up if you've yep. fallen down. There's no shame in that. Um, our parents failed us and we're here listening today so the grace of god prevailed somewhere in our life so let's trust that that same grace will prevail in your kid's life it's true well we thank you for listening to this episode of brilliantly brave parenting and join us next week as we'll be talking with tina griffin she's a countercultural mom and she's got a ministry that we want to share with you i'm so excited about that thank you all Parents, remember, even if you may not feel brilliant or brave, you are. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 13. 
This podcast is a service of iShine Ministries and the Tween Gospel Alliance. All rights reserved. Donations to Brilliantly Brave are tax deductible at iShineLive.com. Review and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, or on our webpage. And read our blog and connect with us at WordPress at BrilliantlyBrave.com. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Brilliantly Brave. iShine is a faith-based ministry and media company that looks and feels a lot like a Christian version of Disney. iShine is more than entertainment. We're the producer of the largest Christian tween TV series in the world, a nationally syndicated radio show, a Nashville-based record label, host to multiple live tours and summer festivals, an interactive website and social media, and a provider of printed and digital devotionals, preteen Bibles, and church curriculums. But more than anything, we're a trusted Christian resource for parents and pastors. You can turn to us for all things Check us out at iShineLive.com. What our kids believe is going to define them for a lifetime. According to George Barna, by the age of 13, what a kid believes is what he'll die believing. For parents and for pastors, that's a frightening experience, especially if you've got an 11 or 12-year-old. At the iShine Ministries headquarters, this became a huge priority in the last year. We partnered with the Tween Gospel Alliance to bring you a brand new resource known as the Shock and Awe Study Guide. And I'm here with one of the co-founders of this entire program, Robert Beeson. Can you tell us what is the Shock and Awe Study Guide? It is awesome. More than that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> The Shock and Awe Study Guide is a super cool thing that a, either a parent can do with their kid or a youth pastor can do with their students or a children's pastor can do with their students. And here's the cool thing about it. It is apologetics for kids. Wow. So it's the really huge evidence and thoughts of apologetics wrapped in a way that is really tangible and simple for kids to understand, answering four primary questions. And they are, what if there's a God? What if the Bible is true? What if Jesus is who he said he was? And what if I'm part of that plan? And we believe if you can answer those four questions and you are drawn through evidence proving those four questions that really it's going to it's going to establish a pretty unshakable foundation of faith that sounds very helpful especially if you're a parent or pastor and you're concerned about the condition of your child's faith what they believe what the voices of culture are telling them if that's you and you're interested go to ishinelive.com and check out in our web store the shock and awe study guide it has a digital cloud video base so it's four studies in a small paperback volume for nine dollars and it has four videos that go with four studies it can be done in a weekend it can be done over a month or it can be done bi-monthly however you need it it is a fantastic resource that i have used as a pastor in my own home church and i have been impressed so check it out check it out